Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Hope you're having a wonderful week so far. Guess who I have here with me? What up, y'all? Gray is back. Finally back. Finally, Dog Speak's back. I feel like Dog Speak's... Well, Dog Speak's been functioning without me, but it feels good to kind of be back. That's all I'm saying. Gray, how you been? I've been good. You've uh, you've been working hard. You've been having to really kind of step it up and cover my ass. So hey. thank you. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> so we have... We're going to do a couple of things today. We're going to do some listener questions. I think most of these will be fairly short. I'm going to save the third listener question to kind of help lead us into what I kind of want to talk about with puppies. We're going to talk a little bit about puppies because so many people get puppies in the summer. So I think that we just need to bring up a few things about the puppies and and not just necessarily the, you know, just housebreaking or just mouthing and biting, but just kind of overall development. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. Let's, we're going to start with the listener questions though, but instead of me answering these listener questions, put me on the spot. That's right. Gray's going to answer them. So I, y'all sent in a couple of really nice, um, questions, uh, from our past episodes. And I think that, I think they're fantastic and I love it because I love being able to answer these on the podcast because we know that if one person asks this question, 300 other people have the same question. So this is from Tony. Uh, Tony says, love your podcast. I listen all the way from Plymouth, Mass. So thank you for listening. Um, I do have a question about recall. Is it possible to train reliable recall in a dog with a high drive, such as a German short hair pointer? I have a one-year-old GSP, and I know that if I keep working with him, his recall will improve as he matures, but will it be reliable enough for him to be safe? We are probably about 60 to 70% now. Distractions are a problem. Uh, The last thing I want to do is use an e-collar, but everyone I come across that knows the breed recommends it. 
I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic on one of your podcasts. I think it would be an interesting show. Well, we're going to answer it here and we'll take as long as we need to take uh, to answer this. So thank you, Tony, for sending that in because that really is kind of a common thing that you you hear where you get either strong breeds, you have to have a firm hand. Yeah, or my dad with his hunting dogs. Exactly. So I'm going to let you answer that. Well, that's a question. I mean, yes, you definitely can. Is it a little more challenging? Yeah, I'd definitely say so. But, you know, we don't want to take any shortcuts here. Um, I don't want to have to use a tool and always have to have that tool to make my dog come to me. Um, it is definitely possible, though. We just have to make sure that the reward that our dog is getting for coming to us is worth it, but also more worth it than whatever they do want to chase, I guess. We need to make that reward really, really, really powerful. And then, you know, one thing we always need to make sure we're doing is practicing recall when we don't need it so that when we need it it works and then of course working on it around those big distractions if we only work on it in certain areas you know we're going to have some pretty decent recall but the second a distraction comes a squirrel runs out the road we're going to have issues so we really really do want to set that up to work on around whatever distractions our dog is going to is going to be around uh, most of the time I'll let yeah. you the rest. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that we know that distractions are an issue. We just have to look at, okay, what distracts my dog, my breed? What does my breed need? What am I distracting them from? So if you have, say, like a German short hair pointer, um, that, first thing I'm going to do is kind of look at those genetics, yeah. right? If, if we can meet those genetics in a time that is more convenient for us and safe we're going to have a better chance of getting a good recall because we've satisfied that need. Yeah. It's when we're not satisfying a need and the dog is doing what they're genetically bred to do and then we're trying to call them off of it. And it's not going to happen. Dog right? is more likely to chase when dog hasn't chased. Absolutely, right? right? We're not going to train that out of them. Yeah. So for me, if I'm going to work on a dog, especially like a hunting dog, I'm going to go wherever I'm going to find some wild creatures, but I'm going to use like a 30 to 50 foot long line, yeah. right? Maybe if it's an open field, a hundred, you know, foot line. It's, the concept's the same as an e-collar. It's having that control from a distance. The difference is, is you're not causing pain, anxiety, uh, discomfort, fear in your dog. Um, but also setting them up for success is very important. And you're right. You have to practice before you need it. Um, if, you know, what's going to happen in the moment is whatever you've practiced. That's where a uh, yeah, remote control car is very handy. Oh, they yeah. love the remote control. I have not used the remote control car in a while. But yeah, using that to teach your dogs to kind of even find that and flush it, right? So you could put um, a scent, any type of animal scent on it. You could probably buy some ahead, animal scent, right? <laughs> put a, like gauze pads on it, yeah. hide it in the weeds, and the dog finds it. And they point, no, let them point and then let them flush it. Yeah. Right. Then you, they flush, you drive it out of the, out of the weeds. Right. I'm not, I'm not completely hundred percent on how working dogs, you know, like hunting dogs. I mean, but I do have a a friend of mine who was, uh, she trained her, um, dogs to flush out mice or rabbits for her hawk. She was a falconer. Um, so that's what I'm thinking about is pointing. And then she would, I don't know if maybe she flushed it out, but either way, you know how your dog hunts, look it up, um, for your, your breed, but try to meet those needs. 
I think that's the most important. And then, of course, just setting it up for success. And, yeah, I mean, your dog's still a baby. Yeah. You know, that, that's the biggest thing is still a baby. And, um, and if you can even find, I would say, finding, like, sniff spots that are, you know, large areas of woods or maybe a large area that's wooded and fenced so that you can practice these things. Um, off leash without that fear of your dog getting hurt that's the biggest but I think yeah I think that you could absolutely get as close to 100% as any other I don't think anybody's going to get a dog to come 100% but and I think that's true for using any tool because they have their own minds but I do think that you can get just as close I mean I would give 90 to 95% success rate in a German short hair pointer probably the one dog the two dogs, I would say, that are kind of common, I would give a much lower would be a beagle and a bloodhound. Because they are more used, they're still used more for working. Um, and a lot of beagles are still bred as hunting dogs. But our yep. German shitter pointers, I mean, I, it sounded like I said German shit hair, shit hair pointers. GSPs, not, they, they can be shitheads, just like every dog, but German short hair pointers um, I think that a lot of them are being treated more as pets these days. They're being bred more as pets. Yeah. So you just kind of have to look at the line of your dog and see. But, yeah, I'm with Gray on that one. Um, he nailed that. I knew he would. All right. Next one. Are you have second guesses? Are you thinking over there? No. Your little brain just looks like it's just thinking. <laughs> All right. So this is from Maureen. Uh, Maureen says, and I love this question because we talked about furniture manners, but um, – she said, I have one dog that is very timid and had to really work to get her to be willing to stay in the same room as me. Sorry. Um, I don't make her ask permission to get up on sofa because she never gets on sofa where there is anyone on it. She stays away from everyone. She automatically gets down if someone sits on sofa with her. My other dog can be very obsessive about people, so he does need permission to get on sofa. Is there anything wrong with having different rules for them? Fearful if make uh, fearful if make her have permission, she may go back to staying in another room from people, including me. So basically, the question is: I have a fearful dog. Is it okay to let him up on the furniture without permission when I make my other dog have permission? I'm kind of in the same boat as you. You know, you have two different dogs with two different needs, two different you know kind of brains, and I don't think it's inappropriate to have two different rules. My Aussie. I try not to let him get on the couch unless he gets unless I give him permission because well one he licks his butt up there and it's <laughs> disgusting and, and it's, it's it's pretty obsessive two he's huge mother couch he's you know it, it, it just doesn't work well my my border collie I do let him get up whenever he wants to he's a lot smaller he's there's a lot of reasons why to be completely honest with you but they don't know any better they don't know any different I let my, one of my dogs do different things. The other one, they have different jobs, really. Um, I don't think there is any issue having different rules for them. Um, and I don't think they're going to sit there and think, well, this guy can, this dog can do this. <laughs> That's one. not fair. Right? I, don't, I don't think they're really going to think that way. Um, I don't think it's inappropriate at all to have two different rules for them. Just because you know exactly what their quote unquote issues are and, and kind of where they're going to shine the best. So I think in this case, you know best. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that if you have a dog that's fearful, anywhere they're going to feel comfortable if it's safe for them, yeah. I'm, I'm going to let them do it. And I'm talking even if I have a dog that I don't, if I don't even let dogs on my furniture, 
but this dog wants to lay up there and that's where they feel safe, I'm going to put on a blanket or something to keep my my furniture safe if that's what my issue is yeah. because that's where they feel comfortable. Yeah. Now that you just said that, this weekend at my farm, my my you know my border collie is actually not allowed on furniture down there. You know, that's kind of confusing as well right. because we have two different areas. Fireworks going off. He gets scared. He goes up on the couch. I'm going to let him stay up there because in the moment, that's where he's choosing to, you know, feel safe. And when it comes to fear, safety is number one. I'm always going to allow my dog to do what they feel is more comfortable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that really brings up a good point. We see a lot of dogs who get loose during firework season. Yeah. And here's here's what I want to say to you guys about that. I don't. I'm going to try to find the best way to say this. It is so important that you teach your dogs where to feel safe. If they feel safe in a closet, let them have it. If they feel safe uh, in the bathroom, in the bathtub, let them have it. But the most important is that they need to feel safe with you. If something happens, if my dog is outside with me and a thunderstorm, not a thunderstorm, or a firework goes off, because he's not afraid of thunderstorms at all. He's not even that afraid of, of fireworks. But if something is scary for him and something happens, a big boom, he comes running to me. Yeah, not in the woods. Not in the woods, not to the back door, not to, you know, the corner of the fence. And I believe he would do that on a, outside of a fence as well. He would do that because I've made it, and this is kind of what we talked about in the last podcast episode is, we, I've made it to where I am his safe, his secure attachment. I'm his safety net so that when he is scared, he comes running to me, not away from me. So we really need to kind of think about how can I make my dog feel safe in those moments when they come up and are asking that. I think that a lot of these dogs that run away, not all of them are not, you know, most of them do probably have secure and safe attachments, but I just think that we can, we can, increase that feeling of secure attachment by just our interaction and making sure that we're trustworthy, we're consistent, they're not having to, to figure out what mood I'm in that day yeah. on how I'm going to respond. And I just think that's really important that we really do that. And that's why that whole thing of don't baby and coddle when they're fearful, that we're done with that. We're done. The yeah. more, and I used to teach it, yeah. um, but the more that we are studying the, the brain and the development, it's important that we give them that. Because we know when our dogs are, you know, if a dog has some fear, we know that they're going to be inconsistent in a lot of different environments, right? We know that they're going to have some ups and downs dealing with fear. So it's important that their safety blanket, us, it's important that we're consistent all the time. Absolutely. You know, even if the house is burning down, we're we're the same level. Absolutely. Um, that's really, really hard, right? <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. To preach. It's hard. Yeah. But, you know, it's definitely something to, to to try to be conscious of. Yeah, and if you can make a point to do it, you're putting enough into the bank so that when you do have to kind of maybe not be that secure attachment where you're like, oh, yeah. no, I've got to pick you up and put you in the bathtub because you just got sprayed by a skunk <laughs> and I know you're afraid of the bath, you're not losing ground on the relationship. Yeah. You know, so I think that is super important um, to do that. Yeah, all right. So third question, and I think this will lead us right into the rest of our conversation. Uh, so this one comes from, um, let's say Jenna, um, she's out of Washington and she says, I have a really young pup who seems spastic all the time, uh, doesn't settle very well. 
uh, the vet gave me some hemp chews, but it doesn't seem to be working. When should I, or should I put the dog on medication or is there something else that I can use? Now, I'm going to let you have this because you know more about like the hemp and the CBD. We've done some of that and, and more research is coming out, yeah. um, obviously with it, but, um, it's a young pup. I mean, it's, it's under yeah. a year, but yeah, I see a lot of these clients are getting these chews. They're getting them from the pet store. And is it even something that's working? Well, that aside, first, you know, first thing is we don't want to jump straight to any medication with the, with the young pup, you know, first things first. Make sure we're meeting genetic needs. Make sure we're giving them lots of enrichment mentally. Um, make sure we're meeting, you know, exercise needs. Make sure we're giving them a lot of, lack of a better word, needs. Make yeah, sure we're meeting me- those. All those needs. Um, Which, because they might be different than a dog you had prior. Yes. Or the same breed that lives down the street. And if those needs have been met, now let's talk about, you know, hemp and stuff. Um, you know, the main thing I see with those hemp chews, one, you know, Speaking of CBD, CBD is going to absorb in your stomach a little differently than if you know if you were to take it like a drop. But the biggest thing with these, you know, hemp chews and stuff is a lot of them have hemp seed oil in it or just hemp oil. Which when you look at hemp seed oil, mostly that's the same thing as giving your dog olive oil or you know fish oil. It's it's good for the joints, it's good for the skin and and their coat, it's good for their stomach sometimes, um, but it's not necessarily going to help with any anxiety or any type of fear. Um, that's where you're trying to look, you know, that's where you want to look more towards CBD itself. Um, CBD is the medical part of the plant. Hemp is just the plant itself without, you know, mostly without CBD. And then hemp seed oil is again, essentially just fish oil. So it has a, it has a use, but as far as fear is concerned and anxiety and that kind of stuff, um, what you really want to look for is full spectrum CBD oil. And of course, there's also other things like flaring and root, um, chamomile. There's just, what is it called? This type of flower that I can't remember right now, like passion flower or something. I can't really remember. There's a lot of natural things <laughs> mm-hmm. you can get. Um, and I would steer towards those first before you, you know, consider any type of actual medication from the vet. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I love that you brought that up because hemp cbd all of these things can be very complicated for people i find myself getting complicated which i have learned in my age that if there's someone else that wants to specialize in that and i can just get answers from them thank you tiffany for being our nutritionist Thanks, Tiffany. right because we're, we're like we don't want to study that anymore that's why we have tiffany um but yeah i think that's important and, and also i don't think i think that if we're looking at puppies and we're going to say puppies we're going to use it up to two years yeah. right obviously nutrition we're going to look at that make sure we're not feeding a bunch of carbs sugar but i think that if we're having to look at giving dogs under the age of two calming chews then something's off if we're using calming chews just because the puppy has too much energy, then I'm not sure if we're actually prepared to have a puppy or do we not have a really good schedule routine? Are we not letting the puppy sleep enough? What are we doing that's making that happen that I might need calming chews for? I think that we're really using that as a band-aid. Yeah. Too much. Yeah, it's a little whiskey to the kid. Right? Hey. But, but, you know, <laughs> I have a main thing too, I see <laughs> Give me whiskey. all the time. I see it all the time is the one of the problems I see with those with dogs, these little young puppies, is not enough sleep. 
Oh, not enough sleep. And I know we've talked about this a lot. But and we're going to go gotta... right into it again. We're, let's talk puppies because you're right. People are at home. They're getting puppies. They're home in the summer, but they're working from home. You're seeing a lot of puppies. Yeah. And I would say the biggest mistake, I, I almost slipped and said the biggest mistake for the last one, but I would say the biggest <laughs> mistake that I see with all puppies, too much freedom too quickly. Yes. Right. Especially if you work from home or I see it too if the dog's in the crate all day long when we're at work. Um, we come home, we cook, and we have the dog out. Oh, next thing you know, dog's chewing up socks. Next thing you know, dog's peeing in the corner. Um, and it, it's so, so, so important that we set these dogs up to be successful by managing their options, limiting their options, um, and giving them lots of lots and lots of downtime because they're going to need that sleep. I mean, it's just like a newborn kid. Yeah. You don't, you know, put the kid on the couch while you cook dinner. Put him in the other room. Put him in the crib. Let them yeah. have that that downtime and it's so 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 important yeah these puppies should be getting anywhere from 14 to 18 hours of sleep a day and i'm not talking it's mind-blowing yeah i'm not talking laying on the couch and then raising their head up every time you walk from your office to the kitchen to get more coffee this is sleep that is out they're not on they're not waking up and looking around and seeing what you're doing yet uninterrupted sleep 14 to 18 hours a day even as adults, you're still getting about 11 hours a day that they should be sleeping. So it is important that we make sure that we give them enough sleep. And I will say that it, it we've had, in, the, in 27 years I've been doing this, housebreaking has always been something that people complain about. And there is nothing that takes away cuteness faster yes. than a dog pissing and pooping in one's house. However, 90 nine percent of the housebreaking issues that we run into are because the humans aren't listening to what we're telling them to do and it's exactly what you're saying too much freedom not enough rest and not enough supervision yeah because you're right you go home you want them out of the crate because they you know they've been in the crate all day and we're cooking and but that housebreaking is a real common issue, and we've had several calls lately, a lot more calls lately on housebreaking. And once we rule out medical, we're like, okay. Yeah. And just a quick <laughs> Here point, we go. you know, the opposite of that would be, you know, supervision is important, a lot of downtime is important, but the opposite of that would be, which I think is almost just as bad, is taking your dog out too often, right? Yes. Taking your dog out every hour, yep. every 30 minutes, even every two hours, which, you know, that, that's more reasonable. But take your dog out every 30 minutes or every hour. The dog is not peeing and you know pooping in your house. That's great. But the dog is never truly learning how to hold it. Exactly. Right? You're never going to be able to go on a car ride with your dog. Right. Um, it's going to be so important that we teach them how to hold that. And that does come with um, some downtime. And, you know, what I usually see happens is we talk about this early in the dog's life. Then dog grows up four or five months you know, dog's you know, seven, eight months old now, still having housebreaking issues, but the dog is older, isn't in the crate as much, but is still having issues holding, holding yep. him. My point here, do it as early as possible. Work on this as early as possible when the puppy needs a lot more sleep and typically will sleep a lot more. Um, work on this a lot earlier. Yeah, Don't wait. And if we're taking dogs out every couple hours, we're not giving them restful sleep, That's right? True. If we're doing every 30 minutes. Now, when we say every 30 minutes, every hour... We're talking young, young, young pups that can't yeah. hold it. But we need to start using things like our crate, but also like a playpen, play right? They, they, but the playpens are great. But you do need to make sure you keep on a schedule. And of course, keeping a journal when your dog potties is very important. 
I am getting a lot of, um, and we've we've seen I've seen this across the board. A lot of people are getting smaller dogs, especially with the weather that's happening, with the heat, the rain, the weirdness, the heat. You know that heat, that heat thing. Nobody wants to take the dog out to potty, so they they're doing more of like um, puppy pads. Yeah, yeah. I have yet to meet a client who has used puppy pads and not had a problem. Yeah, not, you're, you're, you're going to run into issues because it is a confusing thing to teach a dog because, well, carpets are very similar to puppy pads. They really are. They're very, very similar. Why can't I go right there? Right. It feels the same on my feet. Yeah. When you're, when you're doing housebreaking, it's all about the substrate preference. So whatever your dog's feet are touching, that's what they'll get used to. So if you're using a puppy pad, and I see this a lot, the, the dog will go to the puppy pad, put a couple of feet on it, but it's the front feet, yeah. but pee on the floor outside of it. Or my favorite is Close. when they chew it up. Yeah, I've yet to see that, but... Oh my God, I've that, seen it so yeah. much. Where I'm like, they potty and We're then they chew it up. Though, yeah. Or they chew it up and they don't have anything to potty on. I, I think that when you're looking at like housebreaking like that, I think that when people use pads, they skip that part of teaching your dog to hold it. Which again is going to make it really hard if you're trying to travel and you know on a plane or in a car. Yeah. And, and what happens is they, they have the, I guess they think that the dog is housebroken because the dog is going there. Mm-hmm. The dog can't really hold it. And just an example, I, if you're listening and not throwing under the bus, you know who you are. <laughs> you know, I have a client that they're using puppy pads and the dog, you know, when they leave, the dog is marking in several different areas in the house. Um, so one thing we want to do is make sure we're limiting options, of course. Absolutely. But, you know, one thing that we kind of found out was there's a lot of stimulation in the house even when they're gone for work. Um, TV's going on. I think it was Animal Planet that was playing. We have lots of people walking outside, dogs barking and stuff like that. Um, and this dog is kind of, you know, reacting to that, kind of barking at the window, barking at the TV. So, you know, if you think about it, you know, usually when you're, when you're gone, your dog's going to sleep. Your dog's going to relax. There's not really any stimulation, so that means your body isn't really working that hard. Um, you wake up out of a fear. I've done it before. Sometimes my phone freaks me out. Right. Heart starts pumping. That gets the system working more. You do that three or four more times. Dang, I got to go potty. Yo, absolutely. Right? So even, you know, TV and sounds for your dog is great when you leave, but if it's too overstimulating, that can actually cause some, some issues with that bladder. Um, it can cause that clock to kind of tick a little faster. So one thing to keep in mind is, you know, I guess when your dog is napping, when your dog is sleeping, when you are gone from the house, try to have it in a, you know, try to have your dog in a calm area. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And because that also affects the brain development, right? So if yeah, there, there's a point that. in the brain that there, there's a system that is basically the default network mode where the dog, that's the resting state that the brain is in. Yep, that's all right. Gray just knocked his, y'all, y'all heard it. He knocked his own mic over. Bless his heart. We're all good, though. Um, so the default network mode is, is kind of the, the brain's resting state. If you have a dog who is constantly on alert with noises, then the brain is always fired up, and that means that the default network mode is not going to kick in. It's not going to be trained, and the dog is going to have a hard time calming down overall. And that means that basically the baseline changes. The dog is on a higher alert 
as a baseline and that's going to create all kinds of issues so i'm i don't like leaving things on for the dogs unless i have a dog that's fearful nervous that has separation anxiety um there's you know if there's construction down the road and they're noise sensitive there are situations but not for puppies i was gonna ask yeah if if your dog does have issues with like cars and trucks and yeah. people walking by would that be appropriate yeah I so I would do something like if especially for windows I'm doing like the window film right so my dogs can't see out but light can still come in um, I might do like a box fan or some white noise or green noise I'm not necessarily going to do animals because I don't want my dog to be reactive to every animal they see yeah and of course if, with a puppy with housebreaking you need to have them isolated right and and I you know I think that one of the the things that we should be doing with puppy pads, because most people just have puppy pads down in an area and they throw them down and there they are. I like to do like a potty station where I'm using a playpen area. I'm using uh, canine grass, fake grass system, and you could put the puppy pads underneath. And I'm allowing my dog to potty over there in that area, but also I can teach the dog to hold it by keeping that area closed where they have to ask to go in like we would a bell for outside. Okay, yeah. Or if I have a dog that I don't want to give freedom but I don't want to put them in the crate, put them in the, a bigger playpen area with grass so that you have a dog that can potty on the feel of natural grass. Um, and that will make it so much easier when you're traveling because if your dog pees on puppy pads... You may not get a really good potty at a rest stop or a gas station that hotel on that, house carpets that hotel, <laughs> right? That hotel is not going to appreciate that. So I do think that there are ways to get up, you know, to get around it. Same thing with like litter box training. You can litter box a small do- litter box train a small dog. Mm-hmm. It's it takes up less room than a canine grass system. I I just I want my dog to be able to potty on grass because it's pretty much everywhere now. Granted. I don't live out in a desert, right? And I think that there, if you're out somewhere where you don't have grass, you do need to get your dog to learn how to potty on different substrates, especially like service dogs, yeah. to potty on different substrates, but on command. Yeah. You really need that. But yeah, with, with puppies, you really get on the house breaking now. It's so much easier to start now. It's easy when they're super young. The first few weeks you you get them home, that is the time to do it. Absolutely. Keep a journal so that you can get an idea of what your dog's schedule is like and ensure that you're increasing the time in between those potty breaks. Um, And uh, and don't forget to praise like crazy. And and that's another thing with puppy pads. If you have a, a puppy pad down and your dog goes and pees on it, there's no extra reward to it because you're not even standing there right i mean there's a reward because they're emptying their bladder catch it too, though. yeah so i just i'm not a fan i'd rather see people use canine grass yeah. and a, and create a potty system just like people in like new york city they do it on their patios i like the potty system that's a that's a good idea yeah i like that because you still have that control but and you can still teach the three steps of housebreaking where to go how to hold it and how to tell you yeah because a dog is going to need to tell you regardless i don't care if they know that's the back door again wonder if you're on vacation wonder if you're at someone else's home yeah right give them something um, to where they can communicate Mm -hmm. so what other problems are you seeing a lot with these with the puppies that we're seeing coming in in these last kind of couple months 
I'm actually seeing a lot of resource guarding. That's been that's one that's so weird. Coming up a lot lately. Yeah. You know, that's been in one of our question and answer sessions with our uh, legs. Um, we do it every other week. We do a question and answer. And we did a resource guarding. And it was interesting because a lot of the focus was on livestock guardians, which you can be like, yeah, yeah that's a livestock guardians resource guarding is pretty common. Yeah. Um, I don't I, I don't know why we're seeing a lot of resource guarding. I know back in the day people were taught to, you know, mess with their dog when they're eating, pick yeah. up the bowl, stick your fingers in there. Do you think we're getting and seeing that again because COVID put us back 20 years? I've heard that a few times. That's, that's not usually the case, but I, I have heard that a few times where, you know, we've been taught. Yeah, you know, I read online, we when the dog's eating, go mess with the tail, go mess with the ears, that kind of stuff. And you know, just think about that with yourself. If I come mess with you while you're eating, you're going to punch me in the face. Absolutely. Then, yeah. It's, <laughs> Don't mess with my fries, man. Yeah. Get your own damn fries. And then, you know, I would assume another one, I kind of thought of this is, you know, personally, when a dog, when a puppy has something in their mouth, we humans only walk up to our dog and we're going to take it away from them, right? When our dog is chewing on a toy... We don't walk up to them. We don't tell them how good you are. No, we're so glad they're just good. We're just so glad they're quiet and they're over there not bothering anything else. Yeah. Then the dog's chewing on a sock. Oh, I'm standing up. I'm walking right towards the dog. And I don't know if this is true, but kind of what I'm thinking is a lot of these dogs are growing up learning that every time I have something in my mouth, it's getting taken away. Yep. How can I stop this from happening? Well, growling seems to work. Absolutely. It does. It's it's my natural behavior to use. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that, I think, unfortunately, (laughs) we have been set back in the dog training world um, by old school myth. Um, And I do think that a lot of people are stepping back up and messing with dogs. Please stop messing with your dogs while they're eating. Um, Let them eat in peace, please. And uh, be sure that when you see your dog chewing on something good, walk up to them, tell them how amazing they are, give them a little treat and walk away. And if they're not... You know, if they have something in their mouth that they're not supposed to have, um, you know, feel free to trade them with a treat to start with be- until you can start working on a drop it with an item they can have. Yeah. Don't make it a big deal. Don't get aggressive. That's the biggest thing. Right? Don't be like op- grabbing their face and opening their mouth and yeah. yanking things out and getting all firm and angry. I mean, if <laughs> can you imagine if every time you were like, I don't know, chewing on a piece of, you know, fried chicken leg, somebody walks up to you and starts screaming at you. You're going to start to have a negative association when eating fried chicken around people. What if every time I walked in the room and you're eating fried chicken, I gave you another piece of fried chicken? Oh, my God. I would call you anytime I was eating fried chicken to come over so that I could have more fried chicken. Right. Make it a positive thing. Make you walking into the room while your dog is eating or chewing on a bone or doing whatever. Make that a positive thing so that they look forward to you coming towards them. Oh, this is awesome. I love this. Absolutely. You know what I would love you more is while I was eating that fried chicken, you came up and gave me some mashed potatoes <laughs> or some French fries or chocolate pie. Yeah. Right. So something that's even above and beyond what I'm eating. Yeah. Right. So if my dog's eating kibble, I'm going to walk past and throw a little bit of dehydrated chicken and keep walking. Yeah. Right. So instead of bothering my dog, I'm going to let my dog know that when a human approaches, sometimes they bring something even better. I'm not going to hover. I'm not going to pet my dog. I'm not going to sit there and have a whole conversation with them. I'm going to walk over. I'm going to throw that treat right in that bowl, and I'm going to walk on by. And you'll find that when you do that, over time, your dog is going to start lifting that head up and looking at you, anticipating something fun coming into their bowl instead of, oh, my God, what are you going to do this time? Yeah. And that's another thing, like when we talked about drop it. When you practice something like drop it or release, 
you need to not be taking that away every time. A dog is going to learn, why would I drop it if you take it from me every single damn time? And, and that brings me to the point of make sure you're working on these things when you don't need them. Absolutely. Just, just like the your dog chewing on things, you're not supposed to have like socks and stuff like that. And just like uh, the resource card, work on these things when your dog is not exhibiting those behaviors. Yes. It's really, really important. Practice, 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 practice. Guys, you've got to practice. Because what you know, the only thing that's going to happen in the moment is what you've practiced. And if you haven't practiced, you're screwed. And it's not the dog's fault. Hey, humans, you're the greater species. You're supposed to have all the brain cells, right? We need to take a step and say, you know what? I need to make sure that I'm doing what's right for my dog. Not just assuming that my dog is going to just become perfect by itself. I promise you that those neighbors you see walking that dog off leash or walking the dog nicely or it comes when called they didn't get that overnight and they didn't get it by just sending the dog off to a boarding train and putting a shock collar on it they didn't get that that way they had to put in that work to build a relationship and that's why i want you guys to start thinking more about i'm raising my dog not training my dog yeah. we help you raise your dog right and that's really important that you create that relationship with them um, especially with these puppies. And because here's the thing, you're, you may be home for the summer. Like a lot of like people that either are school teachers or have the summer, summer, you know, summer off or their kids are home with the dog. If you have kids, I don't even care if they're teenagers and you work and y'all got a puppy, that dog should still be in a crate as a puppy when you're gone to work. Do not trust your teenagers, your young kids, to be supervising a puppy and teaching and housebreaking and, and all of these things when you're not home. There's nothing wrong with putting that dog in your bedroom, shutting it off, putting that dog in a crate. They can let it out to potty, but they need to put it back in that crate, yeah. right? Yeah. We got to not put this responsibility. I mean, your kid can probably barely wipe his ass himself because they're kids, and we were all kids once, and we also were at that point of one time we could barely wipe our ass. I mean, it's really important that we don't put that pressure yeah. on the children because the dog is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not – and again, don't, don't get dogs to teach your kids responsibility. Damn, teach them to unload the dishwasher first. That's easier. There's, there's no organism that's going to suffer yeah. with that. So – I do think it's it's all about building relationship and, and teaching the kids, absolutely, but not putting it on them because they're home from school for the summer. Right. Because that's not fair. Yeah. Um, they only have so much brain development as well. And you don't want, it's like the kindergartner teaching kindergarten class. Yeah. Right. Work out so well. Let's not do that. Yeah. Um, what other things are you kind of seeing with puppies? Because my biggest thing is making sure that we're getting that. We're not overexposing. We're not doing too much. We're not um, taking them everywhere and doing everything. We've got to let them rest. They're, they need to have sleep. They need to have a quiet place. Um, that is, I think that's going to come back and bite you guys if we do too much. And I know I can say that because I've done it. Yeah. I've done it with one of my pups. I guess the only other big thing I'm seeing, and this is this is more of a common thing that every dog owner is going to go through, is just you know, your puppy getting really, really excited out in public or when company comes over. Um, that of course is, is, is the biggest one. And, and just like everything else we talked about, that is one you want to set up to work on. You want to, you know, if your dog is getting super, super excited when mom and dad come home or, you know, kids come home, if your dog's not consistent with that, how they're going to be consistent when new company comes over. 
And then the other, I think the hardest thing to get people to do is be more rewarding when you have company come over. Yes. Your company is always going to be the most rewarding thing if you yes. don't you know, change that. It's the fun uncle coming over. Oh my gosh, what can I earn now? Absolutely. These new things. I have all these, you know. And you may still struggle. Like that fun uncle is usually always going to be more fun. Of course. But I think that we can absolutely set up something like using baby gates to our advantage of fun uncles coming over. But when fun uncle comes over, the first thing you get for the first 20 minutes is a licky mat. Yeah. So fun uncle equals licky mat. And that comes and from then, us. And that comes from us. And then you get to see fun uncle. Yeah. I love how we say this. And then my dogs totally attacked you when you came in. I and know. I was just like sitting in here. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not even going to, I'm not yelling at them. I'm well, not going to talk to them. You trust me to ignore them. Though. Yeah. I'm just you can't like, trust your company to ignore your dog no. because they're not going to. No. And whenever, so when we do have, we get a lot of, we get a lot of uh, deliveries here because Britt no longer goes to the grocery store. Thanks to Instacart. No, we're not. Um, we're not sponsored by them, but would love it. Um, I do try to work on it if I see them. I work on with Myers. And Isabella's great because she doesn't bark at anybody. She whines when you come here. But she doesn't bark at like Instacart. So I try to, when, when I know they're coming, and they'll tell you, I try to be ready with some rewards. I'm putting him on place and I'm helping him kind of just to learn how to deal with that mm-hmm. um, aspect. It is something you have to be conscious about. You have to make a point. And, and I get it. It's not that easy. I am not the best at working on my dogs with company. I used to love teaching, greeting guests. Yeah. But now that I do it a little differently, I just haven't really done much. And it's probably because my dogs are smaller and I just don't even care at this point. Yeah. You know, but. It's turn it set it up. You got, you got to set up. But though. I can't be mad at them for being assholes. Yeah. I mean, I tell them they're <laughs> assholes. I'm like, stop being an asshole. But then I know it's me. And it really, I'm saying that to them, but I might as well be looking in a mirror. You're an asshole for not working with the dogs. I've been in bed for nine weeks. Y'all leave me alone. That's all I got. Cut her some slack. Cut me some slack. Um, yeah, so I think that that's just, again, we're really pushing you guys to be proactive in everything that you're looking at. And and, and the, probably the last thing that, that we'll say as we're wrapping up here, it's a little bit of a shorter podcast, but y'all, you're okay. Stop watching impressive videos that are using aversive techniques, please stop believing that your dog can be trained in six months and it's not even matured completely. That's like saying that my 16-year-old child can graduate for life and now go get a job and live life as a 16-year-old because they're super smart. Yeah, no, there's development. Um, My niece is one of the uh, smartest people in our family and she's more mature than me, which is fantastic. She's 19. She just spent six weeks in France doing an archaeological dig that she cannot tell us about. And um, I still, at 19, as smart as she is and as mature as she is, she's not ready to make decisions that a 30-year-old would need to make. And that's what we need to be aware of. Taking a puppy to a puppy class and then them graduating from that puppy class and thinking the dog is set up for the rest of their life is like... You know, seeing a kid is like you thinking you remember everything from kindergarten. Right, right. right. It's, you got to keep it up. You got to keep working on it. It's not going to happen just like that. You're right. Puppy class, graduating puppy class is like a kindergartner going through their like elementary school graduation and then being like, I'm set for life. Yeah. I'm ready for a job. I'm now. ready for a job. I'm ready to drive now. that car home. Right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. We really need to start thinking of it more that way because that's how the brain is developed. That's where it's there. Um, you got any lasting final words? No, I, I like that conversation. That was good. It I was good. A things too. 
It was good, yeah. See, so, you know, we kind of get together and I love to, to talk about these things because sometimes you remind me of things that I have forgotten and um, or you see something a little different than I always have. And yeah. it's great because um, we all don't think the same. Yeah. And, and that's important. If you're local, please come see us this Saturday at Family Pet Health in Murfreesboro. You can find the information on our website, but you can also look them up at Family Health. Uh, sorry, <laughs> FamilyPetHealth.com. Lord, I'll put that in the show notes. But come see us on Saturday. That's Saturday the 15th. We will be there from 10 to 2. They are having an open house, beautiful facility. Um, we are going to start hosting, um, hosting some group classes, some seminars there. But we'll be there. Bring your dog out. We'll show you how to walk that dog without using an aversives. There's some great giveaways. You could possibly even win uh, vaccinations for life at Family Pet Health. So they have a lot of wonderful things that are happening. There's going to be a food truck. Free food's going to be given away, like 250 um I think 250 plates or something of food is going to be given away. Mm. It's going to be crazy. Anyway, y'all got to come out. They are a force-free, fear-free certified facility right up our alley. There's going to be a lot of fun there. So definitely come out and see us there. Um, also, if you're local, we have our dog communication seminar August the 4th at the farm at Natchez Trace. Be sure you sign up. Do not miss out on that. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then you have a couple of adventure packages coming up, adventure hours coming up for hiking. We have some social hours coming up. Uh, it's a little hot, you know, we, we, I can, a lot of people are kind of waiting. It's, it is a little hot. We may be postponing those until fall um, because the heat is ridiculous. But if you're interested, be sure you reach out. And if you're not local, hey, we do Zoom consults. You can have a Zoom consult with Gray. You can have one with me. You can have one with Amanda, Alicia, Depends on what you need. Cooperative care. You need some service dog or therapy dog work. You got puppies. You got some behavior issues. We're here for you. Hey, bada bing, bada boom. Right? We're here. We are We are everything for you. Um, we appreciate you guys so much. Great. Thanks for being here. Um, for I've missed me. seeing your face. I'm glad to have you back on the podcast. And we've got some fun things coming up. We're yeah. going to be doing some uh, video reviews. Yep. Um, video reactions. Video reactions. Yeah. Uh, this is Gray's idea of um, of watching some training videos, and we're going to break it down. Explain to you why we don't do the well, things. Why we don't do the there, things. There, there's a reason we're doing it the way we're doing it. Yes. Um, and you can find all that on. We'll put everything up on our YouTube. So if you've not subscribed to YouTube, make sure you go to YouTube, Dog Speak. And, um, yeah, we're excited. Yep. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Thanks for, for being me. here. All right, y'all have a great rest of the week.